0: Um, every year after the, after the uh, conference, uh, we get an email that says, what are your ideas for next year? And so um, I've done a couple, couple of uh, workshops on preparing uh, as a therapist for um, working in a short-term um, clinic, and that's been kind of my experience the last 13 years of just working uh, with Global Health Outreach and doing uh, PT as a part of a multidisciplinary clinic in the Dominican Republic. So I've done a lot of it, but it's very focused, so I don't have a lot of experience with other countries. But So I started to think about practical things that we might be able to use in giving uh, people tools for um, uh, treating patients if you're in a clinic where you don't have a therapist. And so that's kind of what the de- designation is for this uh, workshop today. So I entitled it... Um, that it would be for the non physical therapist, but I imagine there's more than one PT that's already here. So I'd like to get a feel for uh, what the audience is. Um, so, are you, if there are any PTs or OTs here, could you raise your hand? Oh, just a couple. Okay. Students? Okay. And most of those are medic- pre medical or medical students or pharmacy? pharmacy? Okay. Okay, good. So for, for those of you that are, um, are uh, in the discipline, this may be encouraging to just uh, be open to this approach. And others of you, uh, nurses, who have nurses, okay, and uh, doctors, okay, excellent. And so um, hopefully you can take some things back with you, that, or, or at least this will get you started to uh, have an understanding that uh, there is a way to approach treating mechanical pain. So... Um, I'll just go through the first parts here. Just uh, this is the formality. This will be on the website, so I'm not going to go through every every aspect here. This is the designated educational objectives, and we're just trying to introduce you to the concept of being able to treat mechanical pain when a, when a patient comes into your into your clinic. So most patients that will walk into your clinic will be what we call non-specific mechanical back pain and uh, or neck pain. So I'm going to give you a way to try to categorize uh, uh, patients and try to put them into categories where you may be able to treat them effectively without just medicating, and uh, be able to even give them something in the context of one visit or two visits to help them understand what they can do to help themselves. This is just a little bit of my history. I've been, I went to college back in the 1900s. I think a few of you <laughs> have probably done that. But... Um, <clears throat> I have, no, I have no financial gain here at all. So, um, the mechanical pain. Let's just define that. Uh, I hope you can read that. That's not as big as I'd like it to be. But uh, mechanical pain. What is it? Uh, mechanical. The, the behavior of mechanical pain. It can be constant or intermittent. It changes with movement and posture changes. Um, so it can get worse and better with certain activities that we do. It can be referred or radiating. So you can get mechanical symptoms that come out of the spine and go into the arm or down the leg. Um, It can be short or long term. Uh, Patients can have it for a week or two. Uh, They can have it for 10 years and uh, can be treated very similarly. Uh, Likely, they will have a direction of preference. We're going to talk about what that means uh, because that's really a key to understanding mechanical pain. So as we categorize patients and put them into a type of treatment uh, program, we're looking for... uh, behaviors of pain that it can be uh, kind of understood as a direction of preference. An example would be that in the lower back, most people are injured in a forward bent position or a sitting posture. Those are flexion positions. We find that in about 99% of the people that have that kind of condition, particularly if they're under a certain age, will respond to moving in the opposite direction. So that's what we call a direction of preference. In other words, I get better when I do certain things. I get worse when I do other things. And that if I can take myself through the direction that makes me better, and if I can do that in a, in a way that uh, is complete, then I can, um, I can actually abolish my symptoms. Um, we find that these patients can improve with repetitive motion. We'll also talk about what that means. And uh, we do sometimes get muscle symptoms related to what's happening in the spine. Uh, this is a very common understanding for many medical people, that you get a muscle spasm, you get Muscle pain, You get changes in muscles, and oftentimes that's a response to what's going on in the spine. So when I approach a patient, I'm always looking, first of all, at the spine as the source of symptoms. A lot of times we focus on muscle treatment. We massage uh, other types of treatment in the muscle, and actually if you care for what's going on in the spine, then a lot of those symptoms will fade and go away on their own. So what it is not, it is not an inflammatory type of disease. It is not an infectious pain, and it's not a disease process going through the body. Feel free to raise a hand if you have any questions along the way. So what I'm talking to you about today is uh, what we call mechanical diagnosis and therapy. It's also known as the McKenzie approach. Robin McKenzie was a physical therapist in New Zealand. He has since passed a few years ago. Um, he, he had a chance meeting with what he, who call, a patient he calls uh, Mr. Smith. So he was in the clinic, and Robin was uh, trained in the 50s in, in um, manipulative medicine, so a manual therapy type of approach to physical therapy. And that was very common back in the New Zealand and Australian types of uh, treatment uh, training at that time. So he had a guy come in who was in a uh, what we call a lateral shift. He had excruciating back pain going into sciatica. And uh, he was working, Robin was working with another patient. He just said, please go in and lay on the table, and I'll be in in a few minutes. And so he finished with the patient. He went in, and five minutes later, he found the patient in this posture. Uh, the table was up, so he didn't know what to do, so he went ahead and laid on his stomach. But what was interesting is that five minutes of laying on his stomach, his pain was gone. So Robin started the journey over the next 40 or 45 years of trying to determine, are we moving patients the right way, and what are we doing with these patients who can be treated by laying on a table with their back arched? So he, uh, he spent his whole career basically... Um, Starting the what we call the McKenzie method, it's a approach to treating mechanical pain, and, and it's good for not only the lower back and the mid back and the and the neck, but also for the extremities. Today we're just going to be talking about the spine. <coughs> so traditionally, before this, the exercises for for uh, lower back pain was what we call the Williams exercises. So those were basically flexion exercises uh, like knee to chest and sitting flexion and standing flexion. It was all forward bending, and that was kind of the understanding we had at that point, or they had at that point. Um, So Robin just started on a journey of finding a system and developing a system that would help. So let's talk about the principles of mechanical diagnosis and therapy. Again, this is going to be available on the website, so you, you don't have to take these notes if you don't want, but I would say write down things that just kind of strike you today. <coughs> so, uh, the, yes? I just want to know um, if you're taking, if you're saying mechanical, if you're, are you including disc disease by a mechanical problem in the spine? Yes. And, and also anything that can happen with the facets? Right, yeah. So all that you're just putting as mechanical. as mechanical pain because the system basically treats symptoms, okay? So as medical people, we always want to understand what's happening inside the, the body that's causing this. I have a model we use that is the disc, basically, and that's how we, I teach the patients. But it, I always say, well, we don't know. We haven't studied your spine. spine. You know, only 85% of the people who come through the clinic won't even have an X-ray, probably, by the time you see them. So it's hypothetical, but it helps them understand what's happening in their spine, and it's a way for them to understand what's going on. But in the spine, the model is primarily the intervertebral disc. Yeah, a good question. So we talked about a history and exam, and that's included as a principle. And then we talk about direction of preference. So we're going to try to find out, does the patient fit into a category where I can help them move a certain way to make their pain come to the center and then go away? Uh, we need to see what the response to repetitive exercise is. So this is a, pa- a program that patients need to be on, and they're going to do it themselves. You're going to coach them through it, help them understand what's going on. Robin said he, 70% of his patients he never had to put his hands on to treat, even though he was trained as a manip- manipulative therapist. So as he developed this program, it became much more uh, enabling the patient to understand what's going on in their body, helping them to do what they need to do to make themselves better. And if it's a program that gets them better, it's also the one that's going to keep them better. So it's a way of prevention as well. So centralization peripheralization. This is one of the things in the literature that's very uh, um, that really stands up to the literature, in that if you can predict a centralization process, meaning that if they have – sciatica or uh, extremity symptoms that through the exercise you can centralize that pain into the back or into the neck. That's a great predictor that the program will be helpful for them and sometimes you'll see that either in the context of the first visit or certainly within the first three visits. So One of the keys is getting end range motion too and we're going to talk about what that is. This is a very practical application for you today and Um, So I'm hoping that that you can pick up some things that will get you interested and you can do further research if if you don't know this program already. Postural training is very important because that's how we reinforce the improved uh, mechanics in the spine. Education for long-term control of symptoms. So, again, helping the patient working through the program so that they understand what they need to do to make themselves better. And then teaching the model of the intervertebral disc, which is basically what we're going to talk about. Any questions so far? So in the history, we're looking for um, the whether it was an injury or a spontaneous onset. Oftentimes, the patient wakes up with it in the morning; they have no idea what they did, and now they've got neck or back pain. And uh, some people know, know exactly what they've done: they bent forward to pick a pencil off the floor, and, um, and their back went out. So. Um, That's one of the things we'll look for. The position uh, of injury or cause. So part of the history is to understand were they injured in a forward bent position? Were they sitting too long? Sat on the plane for 10 hours. I got up. I couldn't move. Uh, Just a lot of examples. Very few patients, uh, as we talk about direction of preference, will have a direction of preference, particularly if they're under 50 or under 55, will have a direction of preference that is forward. It's almost always going to be an extension and most commonly in the neck and upper back, probably about 99% of those patients are going to have that extension direction, direction preference. Um, so do, what does the pain do throughout the day, and does it move for, away from the spine or toward the spine? And what things seem to make it better and what things seem to make it worse? So in the history, we're trying to determine, and oftentimes you can pick this up just by asking them what makes you better, what makes you worse, how were you injured, um, what have you done for your treat, uh, to treat yourself so far? And you can kind of pick up that direction of preference as you're going. Well, we're going to tell the patient that we're looking for a pain pattern that can be treated with exercise because this is the primary thing that they can take with them. And in my experience in doing short-term missions, the, really the only thing that stands up from a, a mus- musculoskeletal perspective or physical therapy or OT perspective is What can I give them in the context of a 20-minute treatment, because that's all I have. We're seeing patient after patient all day long, that they can take with them, that they can apply and use in their life. So it's not going to be a modality treatment. It's not going to be a manual treatment, most likely. It's going to be something they can take. So exercise and education really are the two things that last. Even the wheelchairs wear out after a while and everything else that we use in our clinic. So. We need to look at red flags, yellow flags, green flags, and so we need to be able to pick up on the history and the exam. Is it mechanical? Is this something the patient actually does see changes in their posture and their activities, or is it some other type of pain that's going on? So within a couple treatments, you should be able to determine that you've got something that's mechanical and is responding and changing uh, for that patient, and if not, then you need to refer them out to whatever is appropriate. So if we look at the effects of posture, just to start with, this is a study back in 1970, uh, actually, that just took the, they actually did this with uh, uh, inner disc pressure measurements um, and uh, so that what they said was that if you, uh, let's say you weigh 150 pounds and you're standing, your disc pressure is 150 pounds in the standing position. When you lay down, it's 24% of that, so whatever that would be. So you, you obviously decrease your disc pressure significantly by, by unloading the spine. Uh, when you sit, even if you sit without support in a good posture, you're up to 140%. And then uh, if you sit in a slouch posture, you're almost doubling the disc pressure. And if you lift and bend and load, you can get up to 2,000 pounds of pressure actually in the disc. So um, the importance of of posture is part of the training because if we don't teach them how to sit better and and work better, then they can do all the exercises they want. They'll just keep reinjuring themselves. Okay, now this is a diagram of the facet joints, but it's really, I have this up here for the discs, and so I'll just uh, quickly go over the anatomy here. And again, as a a medical professional and as a scientific person, you're going to want to try to analyze in your brain what is causing these problems, but we can't do that very often, to be honest. We can do it less often than we think we can. And I think the more we understand uh, the evidence-based medicine, the more we study it seems like the less we know for sure. I don't know if you've run into that yourself or not. But So what we used to think was true 10 years ago is no longer true in many parts of medicine. So the beauty of this program is that it is designed to care for symptoms no matter what the origin of the symptoms are. Now that not, doesn't sound very scientific, but it's reality, actually. So... I can help you get better by doing exercises and teach you. And to me, it doesn't really matter what your symptoms came from. But here's an idea of what might be causing your pain. And I think patients can understand this. So if we take a segment on the left there, and that's in a flexed posture. So the segment above it is moving forward. We know that the disc can be influenced in a posterior movement. So we get a bulging or moving of the nucleus inside the disc posteriorly. And we get uh, possibly pressure on the nerves of the uh, the spine, uh, the spinal cord. So, uh, what we didn't know 30 years ago was that there's actually sensory nerves in the back wall of that disc, and that the jelly can push on that back wall and cause back pain. It doesn't have to distort the disc into a bulge. So. Those are things that we're discovering as as the years go by. And so even just a migration, enough of an influence of the jelly going backwards can cause pressure, which then causes uh, symptoms to occur. This is an example of the advanced aspects of that. So let's say we uh, are in degeneration before we go to prolapse. So the disc is no longer normal. It's the jelly starting to move. uh, The nucleus is moving posteriorly. We're starting to get some pressure. And that may be all you need to have a back problem. You don't have to necessarily have a prolapse or um, the full extrusion of the disc. So the dynamics of what uh, happens in there, particularly in a disc thats that isn't, hasn't lost its continuity, is much more workable than obviously something that's uh, extruded. So I tell the patient I have a little model, a plastic model, and I show them here's what happens. Here's what happens as we go through this, just like... Uh, um, previous one and how this influences it, and I tell them, you know, it's like you have a cut on your back, and every time you bend forward, that cut opens up, and when you can keep it approximated, it's going to heal, and that's kind of the idea of understanding that extension or back bending is going to be their friend. This is another just review of the anatomy that we can uh, get a you know a movement of the disc onto the nerve and. So we think that, you know, peripheralization of symptoms, so symptoms going into the arm or down into the leg, would be some sort of pressure on one of the uh, nerve roots most likely. Um, and, of course, there are other, there are other ways of that, uh, that happening as well. But this is kind of the idea of what we're trying to teach the patients so they have an understanding of what am I actually doing if I do exercise? Am I just stretching muscles or ligaments? Or am I actually influencing something? Am I changing something as I go? So these are both right out of Robin's book. Um, where do I feel the pain? So in the neck on the left side, you see that you can have uh, pain in the upper back. You can have it uh, going into the upper, upper trapezius area, the upper back, and then all the way down into the fingers. And so uh, in the lower back, it, you know, it, it's, it can be all the way to the foot. We see a centralization process on this side where we're starting with pain all the way to the foot, and it's actually going back up into the back. And, again, that's a very good indicator that a patient can respond to a mechanical treatment if they can centralize. If they can't centralize, then we know that uh, that there's something more going on than what we can do as far as controlling the forces in the spine and making things better.
1: So in the lumbar spine, uh,
0: the most common injury and onset is inflection. We talked about just uh, either whether it be forward flexion bending, whether it be sitting those activities um, into what we call flexion of the segment. Um, So you may have it down the leg, you may have it in the lower back. Uh, It's usually worse than sitting and bending and leaning forward and lifting, and uh, also uh, worse in the morning. Now, the way I explain morning pain being worse is not necessarily that you've slept in a bad position or posture, but... The discs rehydrate. We know that they have more fluid in, the, in, in each of the discs in the spine in the morning after you've been unloading for uh, six to eight hours, whatever it is. So the morning pain uh, symptoms are often related to the fact that that disc may have a little more fluid in it. And as you get up and disperse that, usually within the first hour, about 90% of that fluid is gone. And so then at that point, your symptoms get better. I think this is a very common finding. People get out of the bed. They can't tie their shoes. They can't bend over in the shower. They get up and get moving, and then within an hour or two, they feel a little bit better. Um, so, the, you know, that that's an indicator to me that that's uh, something going on that changes mechanically just by living and dispersing the fluid. So these are all indicators that we're dealing with some sort of a mechanical issue. Um, so people, I would say, under 50 to 55, there usually will be a direction of preference of extension, probably 95%. 99% of people that uh, have an injury to the back are going to injure it in a flex posture. Now, the only exception might be that uh, a car accident where you're hit from behind and you actually have a hyperextension injury. You slip and fall in the ice and you go backwards. But rarely do we see that, and almost never in the neck. Uh, it might be a little bit more common in the lower back. Um, <clears throat> Unloading the spine might be more beneficial. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. Um, So they may do better in prone and uh, doing some of the back extensions in prone rather than in standing. Uh, And we'll we'll talk about how we apply that. Um, The most common mistake that non-McKenzie trained therapists will do is they'll just throw the patients on the table, have them do the exercises, it doesn't make them better so they go on to their next thing and understanding that there's a progression of force that needs to be gradual the patient needs to be gradually taken through to make them better is part of understanding the system when they're exercising they should not have any increased pain they should not have any peripheralization or movement of pain away from the center and it should be a tightness on tightness off type of exercise And that's important, because if you go through pain to exercise, you're going to make the patient worse. So I'm going to show you a few of the exercises that are common. Now, understanding the barrier is important. So the barrier would be that if I stand up and do a back bend, I start to feel some tightness. And if I go further, I could feel pain. So we wouldn't want to push in through the tightness into the pain The barrier is where the tightness starts, and that's what you need to respect as you're working with the patient. So we're going to gradually apply forces and to test them out. So part of the exam would be asking them to move and see what makes them worse, but if they're already acute, I'm not going to go through a lot of that because some of the motions may actually aggravate. So most commonly, the beginning would be asking a patient to lay on their stomach and see how do they do in the prone position with a spine unloaded. And many times this will abolish their pain. They've had pain for weeks, and they don't know what to do with it, but you put them in a neutral unloaded spine in their uh, spinal position, and the pain often will abolish. Sometimes we have to alter that. This shows a prone on elbows, so prone flat is usually where I start with patients, and I'll have them lay on the table and just see what their tolerance is for that. If they have no pain, then I want to start the process of extension to see what their tolerance is for that. So the prone on elbows is the next step. After they've been laying prone, they're comfortable, then we go to prone on elbows. If that's tight, then their exercises will be to go into the prone on elbows and then back to the prone position. And they'll do that intermittently. And I ask patients to exercise every hour when they can. So we have to combat the forces of the day. And oftentimes, that's a lot of sitting and bending. And so what we do is I ask them to do it frequently. Obviously, some people can, and some people can't do it that often. The most common thing I hear is, well, I didn't do it as often as you wanted me to. But then they tell me how much they actually did. Okay. Yes. He's talking about tightness. Are so you talking about when someone, um, you know, gets in that prone on elbows position? If they feel tightness in their muscles. It's causing pain. Well, it, yeah, in I'm the not spine. I mm-hmm. For more than maybe three minutes, and my back just seizes
1: up. Okay.
0: okay. Is that the kind of tightness you're talking about? I'm, I'm talking about the tension tension of tightness. So if they l- lay in neutral spine prone. And then they come up onto their elbows and it's tight. I don't want them to push up further into pain. I want them to start to stretch that barrier out until they can lay on their elbows with no symptoms, no tightness. Then I know things have moved. Is the tightness the same pain they're feeling from their disc, or is it a different kind of pain? you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. No, it's just a spinal tightness. It's not pain. So would maybe a yeah. word like pressure or pinching almost be better, since you're not actually stretching things out or really shortening? So that yeah, tension, uh, tightness, uh, pressure—those oh, are all acceptable symptoms or complaints if we want to call it that. Uh, spasms, pinching is not acceptable. So going past the tightness barrier into pinching is not part of the program. Okay, now. Laying in the prone position, we may have to, in your case, if you have trouble laying on your stomach, we may have to put some pillows under your stomach and get you into more flexion to start with, get you comfortable first, and then start the process of moving you. So probably what's happening with a patient like you. So if you're laying on your stomach and you're already in trouble, if we put you into a little flexion posture first or if we put you into extension, we need to change that because we need to start from comfort. So if we start from pain and go to more pain, we're not going to accomplish anything. So the first thing I would do in your case is I would put pillows under the belly, two or three pillows, couch cushions or whatever. If that decreases or eliminates your symptoms, then that's where you start your elbow program from, okay? Because your, pain can't, your back can't tolerate that neutral position. You have to be in flexion first and then work your way back, okay? So you're like in a negative for the back right there. Now, some people don't like laying on their stomach, particularly if they have a little bit of a belly because they're actually in too much flexion already, so they need to be in an extension, and they need to start on their elbows. So that first key is trying to figure out, are they comfortable flat? Position. Exactly. Where can they abolish their pain? And sometimes they can't. They're just too acute, and so you still you need to work on a couple other possibilities during that process. Yes? Ideally, they're doing this every hour throughout the day. Right. Going up to the elbows. For about how long are you? So they come up on the elbows for about a 15 to 20-second stretch. So this is positional. It's repetitious, but it's not repetitious like the next exercise I'll show you. So the prone on elbows is prone and then up on 15 seconds to 20 seconds on elbows and then back down. The goal there is that you're trying to abolish that tightness and that the more you do that, if the bo- if, if it, and even in the context of a few repetitions, A patient may go from, well, that's really tight, and then the next, by the third or fourth time, they aren't really feeling that tightness anymore. So I tell them, we're changing things. That means we're dealing with soft tissue. So if you've got a bony problem, you've got a joint uh, arthritis type of thing, and that's the cause of your pain, I'm not going to change your bones, right? I'm going to change your soft tissue, which is disc, ligament, muscle, that type of thing. Most commonly, the disc in this explanation. So prone... I might have them lay there for after, particularly if they settle and their symptoms fade, maybe three to five minutes. Just lay there and relax. Let things settle. Then I would go to the prone on elbows and test what is the barrier in the pronoun elbows. If they're comfortable, then I'm going to go to the next step right away. If they're tight or they have the you know, tension in the spine without pinching, then they're going to work the prone on elbows until that clears. And that may be a few repetitions. It might be a few sessions. But we're not going to push them past that tightness into something that's uncomfortable, painful. All good questions. Anything else there? So 15 to 20 seconds up, 30 seconds up. So we're just going into the tension, coming off the tension. Up. So, again, it's, it's tightness on, tightness off, no worse. That's really kind of the, uh, the mantra here. And the barrier is, what, is where that tension starts. So you might have somebody that lays down, they're fine on their stomach. They're fine on their elbows, and they can press up, which is the next exercise. And they, have no, they just feel some tension at the top of that. And so they just go up to that tension, and they're going to do this repetitively. Now, the press-ups, like the standing back bend, which I showed earlier, these are repetitive exercises. And, again, the concepts here are repetition throughout the day and eventual end-range motion. So our goals are to get full mobility. A lot of people that take this, use this program, and even therapists who don't really understand it, they make it better with it. But if they don't get full motion at that segment, if that vertebrae isn't moving com- comfortably back through the full range of motion on the vertebrae below it, they're not going to clear their pain completely. So they're going to continue to have issues. So the logical one for um, for the lumbar spine would be to first. Lie down prone flat or over a pillow or an extension if prone flat is not comfortable. That again talks about their direction of preference. So, if um, again, if you're uh, you know under 60, under 55, and the spine is generally going to still be pretty healthy and be able to handle all of this, it's not going to have the degenerative changes that a 75 year old would have, you're going to eventually find your way into being able to tolerate this movement. The starting place is always the question of where do we start the patient, whether it's on the flat prone, on the elbows, or over pillows. Questions? So, again, um, this is pretty technical, pretty practical, pretty... uh, pretty detailed so it's a system obviously that takes a long time to understand and learn but i'm giving you the basics here today so let's go if the patient um, if the patient tolerates this exercise obviously this is going to be much more um, accessible than just laying down so if, oh i'm sorry yep is the one before like uh, after you do the elbows then to that one or... yes so, uh, the bar- again, the barrier is the tightness, where we're- and so if a patient comes up and feels the tension on the elbows, that's their level of exercise at that point. When the, when the tension in the elbows leaves and you're more flexible and you're com- they're comfortable there, then you go to the press-ups, and you're just going to continue to work that tension and tightness until you get full motion all the way back. Right, great question. So our goal is to be able to do this completely and be able to get full motion, and even be able to sag and stretch. That tells us the vertebrae are all moving back on the one below them, and nothing, none of the soft tissue is in the way any longer. This is a process that can happen in two or three days, depending upon what the patient's condition is. Usually the longer, more chronic conditions are going to take longer because they've had adaptation of soft tissue uh, during the long time of problems that they've had. So that's usually going to be a slower process. So I have a patient right now I'm seeing who's, you know, had back pain for a year, and she finally decided to deal with it. And I've seen her three times, and she's uh, started the, the process of working through the press-ups. She's got good flexibility. She can get near, near the top. She knows she's much better, but she's, this is going to be a journey of a month or six weeks before she finishes everything off because it's been a year that she's had pain. Someone who comes in who's had a couple weeks of symptoms um, may clear in just, uh, you know, a couple of weeks by doing the right program. Yeah. How much are you trying to impact their activities of daily living? For instance, in Africa, everyone's been followed from their waste. Mm-hmm. Instruction on squatting to lift right yeah. so but not only men women but children started at young age doing everything then, then you know, sure so and there's a there's a few people that can do that and get away with it i mean people that garden they don't like their knees don't feel good so they garden by bending over and never have back pain i can't explain that anatomically but sometimes they do um, but in, the, in that case, yes, I would teach them uh, squatting, half-kneeling to do their work, um, sitting postures, the other thing, you know, they probably don't sit a lot, but for our society we have a lot of people that sit for a living, computer positions and that kind of thing. So yep. So you have to educate, definitely, not only about what, what we're treating, but you also have to talk about how to prevent. So prevention is in the exercise, but it's also in the body mechanics and So uh, sometimes we'll have a unilateral, one-sided pain. I'm just going to throw this in uh, as information. I don't want to get too far behind here, so I want to make sure we get through everything That so we can always go back. Um, <clears throat> so if you have sciatica pain, there's a couple of options. You need to centralize your symptoms before the back bending becomes totally effective. So there's really two methods of doing that. One is what we call a standing side glide. And the other is uh, flexion rotation positioning, and I'll show you both of those real quickly. So in this case, uh, we're trying to get pain to come out of the symptom, or the symptoms come out of the leg. Um, this may be uh, associated with the, pro- the progressive uh, advanced stages, weakness, loss of reflex, loss of feeling in, in, this, in the leg. Sometimes it's just a pain, and then that can be treated pretty successfully, pretty quickly. Um <clears throat> So this is the standing side glide. So this would be a gentleman with right-sided pain, sciatica symptoms. And we, if he tolerates the standing compressed uh, position of standing, we would have him work on standing side glides prior to doing the backbending exercises. So he might do a few of these, 10 of these against the wall. Again, the idea, understanding that we don't push into pain and we work up to the barrier, he would just side glide into the wall until he feels tension on the right side. And he would work this. Now, this might be somebody who just has right-sided back pain, or it might be somebody who's got sciatica pain all the way to the foot. So, if it's a asymmetrical or unilateral symptom, meaning that we only have it on one side, then we're, we need to to be successful with the extension. We oftentimes have to do this, this lateral motion too. But principles are the same: tightness on, tightness off, no worse. We're not making the patient worse. We're not making the pain go down the leg further. So, in some patients who can tolerate it, I would have them do 10 of these and then I'd have them do 10 back bends. Or I'd have them do 10 of these and then they'd lay down and go through the prone progression of laying flat, going to elbows, and then doing the press ups. Again, it's all about what the barrier and tightness allows them to do and it depends on their response as well, obviously, that they're making progress in centralizing. So the other option would be if if they're too acute to do this standing loaded exercise of of standing side glides, then they're going to do um, uh, what we call flexion rotation. This may just be laying on their side. Uh, In this case, she's laying on her back with her legs over to the side. Uh, She's going to lay on the the affected side and put your body into a rotated position, which then helps to abolish symptoms. So if a patient has a sciatica pain, I would lay them on their, on their affected side, have them roll into this position of rotation, similar to what she is, but maybe not as far. And a lot of times if they just lay there, that leg pain will go away. And pretty you know, it's a little stiff to start with, but they lay there long enough and pretty soon their symptoms are gone. Then we know we can get them to their stomach, start to work the process of prone to prone on elbows, see what their tolerances for that, and then to work on the press-ups eventually. So this this may take, uh, depending upon how acute they are, this may be a process that takes a few days and they need some coaching. The closer they can get to full motion, the more successful they're going to be with all the motions. So if the standing side glide guy goes against the wall and he can come in and he just feels a little tension on the right side, the tension is okay to do that. It's not pain or pinching or sharp pain. It's not pushing his symptoms down the leg further. Then he can stretch that ten times and then do the standing back bends. That's something he can do at work and every hour of his work day. If he has to lay down, then that's a different story. So these are a couple of a little more advanced uh, things if you have unilateral pain. on her affected side, yep. So this is for left-sided pain. So what we have found that if we put them on their side and we put them into a rotated position, which is essentially lower trunk rotation to the left or upper trunk rotation to the right, that that has a tendency to centralize and abolish their symptoms. Again, the anatomy, if we try to understand that, we're putting them in a rotated position, theoretically the back wall of the of uh, the disc is pulled off the nerve and their symptoms. You know, that, that would be the way to explain that. I can't prove that, but that's kind of the idea. <coughs> so the eventual goals are always centralization, full motion. So when we're doing press-ups, we're wanting to get full press-ups. Once they clear that, their, their tightness is gone and they need to do that a bunch of reps to start with. So they may be doing 10 every hour and then once their pain is under control for a couple of weeks, they can move normally. Their symptoms are gone. Then we back down to maybe two times a day. But that's always going – I'd say this is a life sentence. You're going to have to do this the rest of your life to stay good. Because the number one thing we know is that if you've had something once, it's likely that you'll have it again. So if you don't do something preventative – and I can't guarantee they won't have it again. But if you don't do something preventative and keep going with the program – Then you you have the potential of of recurring. Then any questions on the lower back? We kind of just again. This is a lot of information. Uh, I would encourage you to once we put this on the website to review it or to seek out other uh, other people that know the McKenzie method if you have access to that or whatever. How many had heard of the McKenzie method before? So this is new to most of you, so that's good. That's my goal today. Well, again, because this is a a symptom-driven program, um, you still base it on what the symptom response is. So if they have a – again, we don't know what's causing their symptoms. They may have a scoliosis on X-ray. They may have bulging discs on MRI we don't know what it is that's actually causing their symptoms. So the appropriate response would be, we work through the program, we see what centralizes or decreases their symptoms, and it's really a symptom response at that point. But in the case of, you know, it just depends on where their symptoms are, what we're trying to do with those. Are we centralizing? Are they already in the center? You know, what is their response to extension? Someone like that who may have very restricted motion in the spine um, may just be slower through the process, but still may see some good changes if they're doing the right thing. So let's move on to the neck. This one is common in the sense of uh, a lot of the computer stuff that we do, or people driving, riding, sitting, um, <clears throat> So head forward positioning is very common, this uh, what I call a gravity-assisted posture where we just have a hard time keeping the posture upright. It has to start with lumbar support, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, It can be felt in the neck, shoulder, upper back, mid-back, down the arm. Sometimes even radiates into the chest. Symptoms are uh, related to the lower, lower cervical forward flexion type of activities. We then, because of this head forward posturing, develop an ex- actually extension position in the upper cervical area where you can develop the headaches very commonly more commonly do patients accept neck pain as just kind of a part of life you know I mean I have this neck pain I wake up with it it's not going to keep me from doing anything but it's there and you know it's just something I'm, I'm going to have to put up with and uh, that that doesn't necessarily have to happen whereas I think people with a lower back pain uh, have more of a tendency probably to deal with that, although some people just don't know what to do, where to go, and so on. Um, you can develop the muscle changes in the sp- in the upper back and neck, which I think sometimes is the focus of treatment instead of the origin, which is the spine. So again, a lot of times if you take care of what's going on in the spine, then all the muscle stuff fades. One of the common things I talk to my patients about is Um, Most commonly, we think we're tight in the muscles, so we're going to work on stretching the muscles out, or we have a back tightness, so we're going to work on that, and oftentimes that will take us through the wrong motion of the spine. So if you think you're going to get better, you know, if we understand we're going to get better with lumbar extension, but we're stretching out like this all day long trying to get that back stretched out, we're actually working against the process. So this is a diagram of a head forward posture and then corrected with the lumbar roll here or a lumbar support. I just use a rolled towel. I just roll a towel up and tape it up and use it in the lower back. And um, You can spend plenty of money on the process uh, if you want to, but you don't have to. Okay, so... <clears throat> We saw the original diagram where the disc pressure increases when we sit. Uh, It was more responsive to the lower back, but you can see how posture and sitting. um, The company I work with, I work with a, um, uh, a medical company that does services for large manufacturers. So we've got a company in central Wisconsin that makes fans. Okay, so all these fans, top of Walmart, the exhaust fan in your bathroom, your kitchen, over over the. Over the stove. So my company supplies rehab and primary care services for this company, and they've spent a lot of money on the high-load workstations, which I think are awesome because people can just push a button, and their workstation comes up so they can stand. So standing is very uh, is a good correction uh, for the the cervical spine. You're still looking down, but it's not in that head-forward posture so much. <coughs> So just like in the process of the lower back, we're going to start the process of going backwards. The one for the cervical spine is what we call cervical retraction. So we're going to come out of the head forward posture and pull back, not in a a position like this or like this, but just straight back. So we're just correcting posture. But we're also doing some things with uh, setting up the the intervertebral discs and the soft tissue to be in a position that we want it to be in eventually for the next step of exercise. So those are the two, a couple diagrams there that shows uh, going from, from head forward to retracted posture. Now, you may find some tightness there as you do that. And so just like prone to prone on elbows, we have to work through that tightness before we can go to the next thing. So as we do retraction, you feel tension. If you have headaches, you may flare a headache up because you're starting to stretch the muscles in the the suboccipital region. So we loosen that up and we work on that. That's the first thing. And so we really have to be able to go through motion comfortably before we move on to the next step. Through that process, like the other ones, we're expecting to see centralization or decreasing symptoms in the upper back and neck. So tightness on, tightness off, no worse is still what we're looking for. So tension on, tension off, tension on, tension off as they do this throughout the day. When they get to a point where they can really kind of retract without really finding any tension, then the next thing, remember we talked about full motion, so we need to get end range motion to these segments, so the next thing is to add overpressure. So then we'd go through and we kind of complete that motion, go through the whole mobility. When they can do that completely, the next step then is to work on assisted extension. So this may be hard to see, but basically what she's doing is she's using her hand to help her back up to the barrier. So again, the barrier is where the tightness is. We need to clear the barrier progressively and can't just go through tightness into the... Pinching or, t- or any other types of symptoms. So we're working up to the barrier, but the barrier is not gone until we have full extension. So when you can do this with overpressure and not have any symptoms, um, then we know. At least I feel that you can go th- that your vertebrae are moving normally, everything's out of the way, and that you should be able to know that the mechanical pain is no longer an issue. Now, you may have some leftover muscle stuff that needs some work, but once you can get full motion in those segments, then you're going to care for a lot of your symptoms. So we start with retraction, tightness on, tightness off, and then, okay, that clears, and then we can go to overpressure. And then we can, so once we clear this and there's no tightness or any symptoms remaining, nothing there, I'm free, I can move, Then I start the process, because I'm only really halfway there. If I wanted to be here completely, I have to start the process of going back. Now, if you just do this on your own by going back here, the compression of the spine may be too much if you're in pain. So you may need to use your hand just to unload the spine and to go back to the tightness. Again, tightness on, tightness off. That barrier will move for you eventually to full motion. I'm just carrying, yeah, good point. I'm just using fingertips to carry the weight of the head, and it really only takes one or two. You don't have to, if you put it back here, you're going to do this. You're going to start to rotate, so just fingertips on the back of the head. Good question. Not pressure? Nope. You're not pushing against it. You're not causing resistance. You're assisting it, taking a few pounds of weight off the, off the head so that your, your spine can handle that and understand exactly where that barrier is. And sometimes if you take that off, then you've got all the weight there, so you kind of are assisting it as you're going. Any questions on the neck? Now, once in a while, you're injured with a hyperextension injury, so a whiplash type of thing. I've seen maybe one or two of these people since I've started the McKenzie approach, which is a lot of years, 25 years maybe I've been using the approach. So... Very rare, but once in a while you'll see somebody that needs flexion in the neck. But usually flexion is the problem. You're sitting too much, your computer too much, whatever. So for all these young people here that have great mobility in their spines, they can just go through this. It's a great prevention, too. The thoracic spine... um, a lot of times, when you feel pain in your upper back or thoracic area, it's really coming from your neck. So, we always want to clear the neck first. So, if we're going through this and neck is good, but they still have thoracic issues or uh, symptoms, then we'll address the thoracic spine. Sometimes I think it's wise just to throw thoracic exercises in with the cervical program because you get your upper back moving, your neck will move better as well. So this is a real common area, and a lot of people say, "Well, I I carry my stress in my neck," and it's a common area for that. And and, um, I think a majority of those patients, if they went through the program, probably would care for most of those symptoms. Um, So we have a uh, little—you know—we have less flexibility in the thoracic spine, but this is a good one. And basically, you're just going over the back of a chair. Uh, I'd say a folded. Uh, folding uh, card table chair is usually the right height for most people. Put a little padding on the top of it um, and make sure it's a stable chair. It's not going to roll out from under them. And basically you're doing the same thing here. So you've got your uh, hands behind the neck and you're just going to go until you feel the thoracic tightness in the middle of the back. And the same principles, tightness on, tightness off. You work with the barrier loosen it until it's uh, to full range of motion. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the general principles of the exercise. I think I've covered most of this anyway, but uh, exercise up to hourly, if it's tolerated there, Uh, you know, 10 retractions takes 15 seconds, whatever. So um, you can do this hourly, you can do ten repetitions. If you benefit more and have time, you do more. Our goal is end range, so eventually we're looking to get complete motion in the segments going in the opposite direction or in the direction of preference that we're looking for. The principles are always tightness on, tightness off, no worse, so you shouldn't be getting worse with this program. You should see centralization of the symptoms into the spine. Uh, We are altering the mechanics of the disc. This is not just a stretching program. This is a program uh, specifically for your mechanical pain, and so the goals of frequency and end-range motion are critical. And then uh, it's not uncommon if you start a neck program to start to feel it in the spine, a little bit down the spine, or if you're doing the press-ups for the lower back that your thoracic spine would get a little stiff because you're starting a new exercise program. That's not uncommon, so you just need to be aware of that. Make your patients aware of it. All right, so this is kind of the older one. Now, if you've got a patient uh, who might have a diagnosis of stenosis, they're probably not going to do very well with extension. So this is, you know, 60, 65 and older. These are the patients that do well with sitting but do poorly with standing and walking. So that's the opposite direction of what we see with uh, what we've been talking about through most of this talk. So these patients uh, uh, oftentimes will respond to uh, flexion program and will not do well with extension. So you, the most common one I would give would be the middle one because uh, sitting flexion seems to be not only tolerated well, but they can kind of take the forces, use their hands to assist, and that works out pretty well for the lumbar stenosis type of patient, the older patient, or rarely the patient who actually has a direction of preference of flexion and not extension. I've kind of included these at the end here just as other tools, other things to think about that you can look at if you want to uh, pick this up online. Sometimes patients can't tolerate their retraction, just like, uh, so we have to unload them, take uh, uh, the uh, pressure off the spine. So I call this cervical unloading, supine on towels. We've actually put them back into their head forward posture. And we unload the spine, and oftentimes this will take their pain away, and then we start working the retraction from that posture. And then they loosen up, and you take a towel away, and you eventually work them down to flat supine. Now they do retraction here, and by the time they can get to that, they can probably start tolerating the retraction in the sitting position. You progress them like that. This is actually a great one for the neck and very, mostly very comfortable, um, also for the thoracic spine. He doesn't show a lot of thoracic extension there, but he does show some good cervical extension. And oftentimes, if I'm doing this one and trying to get to full motion here, and I've got things that are just tight and kind of hanging me up, and it's, uh, a lot of times they can do this over the bed and they get the tractioning effect by the head, and they actually uh, benefit from that. Um, Certainly if you have any vertigo, vertebral artery things going on, you have to be a little careful with that. I find that to be very uncommon. Most of my patients can do this sitting. I mean, obviously you're going to find the patient with the vertigo um, um, who you have to be careful with, but in most cases if they're there for neck or thoracic pain, they can tolerate this very well. So in review, uh, mechanical pain is treated successfully with repetitive end-range motion when combined with postural correction and education. Patients can be empowered to treat themselves. That was Robin's big, you know, the books he has is Treat Your Own Neck, Treat Your Own Back, Treat Your Own Shoulder, Treat Your Own Knee are the ones that he published before he passed away. So real big focus on patient compliance. If the patient's not willing to do it, You know, basically they have a choice. You have a program that's going to help them. They can make a choice to do that program or they can continue to complain. Mechanical pain has specific characteristics, centralization, response to repetitive exercise, reduction with postural correction, and proper body mechanics. So all of that together we can see that pain can respond and improve. And mechanical pain must be treated mechanically So that's why a lot of times muscle relaxants, anti-inflammatories really don't help mechanical pain because that can be a a portion of what's going on, but it doesn't oftentimes care for the mechanical aspects of their problem because you're not treating it mechanically. So here are some of the tools uh, that you can uh, pick up. You could Google Robin McKenzie probably on Amazon. You're going to come up with most of this. Uh, The one on the left is a book that uh, he wrote uh, quite a few years ago, um, mostly related to lumbar spine. He's got Treat Your Own Back and Treat Your Own Neck. These are patient uh, books, and then there is the textbooks on the right, which uh, he's got two for lumbar, two for cervical thoracic, and one for extremities. And that's my contact information, and we have two or three minutes for questions. Uh, Otherwise, thanks for coming. Uh, One over here. Yep, I didn't include that. That's a great question. So we have have unilateral, uh, uh, just like the side glides and the rotation position Mm -hmm. for the lower back, will sometimes add side bending toward or rotation toward that side and then extension after that? That's a great question. So you'll see that in his treat-your-own-neck books, that he's got rotation and side bending. And sometimes, so, you know, if you had right-sided neck pain, you thought that wouldn't respond mechanically, you'd do 10 repetitions of side bending or rotation toward the symptoms and then your extension. So you're kind of just working it out as you do that to see what the best benefit would be. That's a great question. Yes. Can you summarize what's the current understanding of surgery versus physical therapy in terms of long-term outcomes? Uh, Yeah. I think I I haven't looked at the data recently, but I think the research is showing that the the conservative care is is more beneficial than the outcomes for the lumbar spine uh, surgical approach. Most of the time, you know, Unfortunately, not every therapist, in my, I'm very biased, obviously, toward the McKenzie approach. Unfortunately, not every therapist is trained in this, and I would recommend any PT students that are here that once you, get, once you graduate or if you're a new graduate, take Part A, Part B, get into the understanding of what the spine is doing. And I think uh, patients benefit. I don't know what I would do with patients if I didn't have this, and particularly on the mission field, because you get 20 minutes to treat a patient, so what are you going to give them? education and exercise so as far as the most recent data um i i i'm not sure to be honest i'd have to look that up but certainly it's uh it's comparable and probably better but again you got to treat mechanical problems with mechanical treatment and so you have to you have to apply the right right things for that condition for that issue yes Well, yeah, because uh, you know sometimes in the history, they'll til- still give me a history. Even at, I've had 85-year-old people centralize and use extension to help them. So, it, But if in their history you hear, I get better when I sit, I don't like walking, I can't stand very long, that's kinda, you're heading toward a flexion uh, direction of preference of that. If I stand and walk fine, but I can't sit very long and I can't bend and lift – then I know I've got to pursue looking at extension as their direction of preference. They may be slower because they're not, their spine's not going to move as well as the younger person. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just depends on what you're hearing in the evaluation and seeing. Not directly for the McKenzie approach. Um, Again, uh, you know, side lying is probably mechanically good if they, they do have a. a, a um, he encourages the use of a night roll; they call it. So it's a roll that goes around the spine. So if you're a side sleeper, it'll kind of keep you in better alignment instead of you sleeping on your side and kind of, you know, going into that direction. Um, I like for pillows. I like My Pillow. I don't know if anybody knows about that yet, or but if you Google My Pillow. Uh, there's different thicknesses available. It's uh, made in America and Minnesota. And uh, if you watch Fox uh, News, he advertises on there all the time. But I have a couple of those that I really like. Um, but as far as, you know, a lot of times if, you, if you're if you having morning pain, you can do exercise before you go to bed, and when you get up, you can control some of that, you know, in the early stages. So, Thanks for your time. Appreciate it.